welcome everyone to series two of What the Mind Sees, the Body Creates. Now in this series, we're going to go on a self-awareness, self-exploration expedition. Because when we know ourselves, we are more aware of what we are thinking and feeling and our actions, then we can make empowered, conscious choices to change. Now, you're not going to be left alone on this because I can show you some really easy, quick, in-the-moment mind state change techniques and also various ways of expanding your possibilities and raising your emotional vibe so that you it is easier really to attract and also then feel different in your body, which as we've been talking about, goes out into the world and is the magnet for more of what you choose to focus on, the things that you choose to feel. And when we get very clear what we would like our destiny to look like, what we'd like our, or we choose our future to be more like, then we are really creating a life on our own terms. So join us for this particular series and let's get started. Welcome back everyone to this particular episode and we are going to continue on with our questions. Now how did you go with the last episodes looking at you know some common questions you might like to use to start exploring your inner world you know what you think about what you focus on what some of your ideals could be what you might like to do in your ideal life and those types of questions. So today we're going to expand, we're getting a lot more uh, detail and we're going to go through two particular exercises. One being a daily reflection. So these ones you, I'm going to be a bit cheeky and say by the journal. And the reason why I say that is because the accountability and awareness journal is designed to in fact do just what we're doing here. There is 90 days of questions. They still are fairly simple, very generic. And by the end of the three month time frame, they are really, really specific. Now this was done on purpose because the more aware that we become, the more focused we become, the more questions we ask ourselves regularly, the mind will give you different answers. And that's the beauty of it. Now these questions in the journal actually also designed to say what actually worked really well today, as we're going to see in a few moments. What can I celebrate? What can I rejoice about? What can I say, yeah, I nailed that really, really well. But it also does ask the more challenging signs of the day, such as, you know, what pissed me off today? Who got under my skin? What do I need to do about it? Do I need to ask for help? Do I need to reflect? Do I need to defer? Do I actually need to delegate? And what do I need to say to some people if I need to, in fact, make a difference? So these types of questions um, are really, really powerful. They can be very confronting, granted, but again, you know, you just go down as deep as you feel you can that's safe for you and your psyche, depending on where you are on your self-awareness journal. So let's get started. And as usual, if I'm going to put a caveat right at the beginning of here, if you are finding this information is a little bit too confronting, make sure you're reaching out, you know. Uh, steps to change we do have different services available but also speak to your own counselor if you have one or your local uh, mental health service these activities in the episodes are not designed to really push your buttons to the point of breakdown they are merely designed to help create an awareness or curiosity factor okay 
So as we spoke about in the previous episode, asking better questions is paramount because without good quality questions, you're not going to get good quality data. And I think that's part of the trick is seeing information, even recall memories, scenarios, and especially feelings, you know, the emotional aspects firing off in our body as data. And when we say it's just purely information, it's just information on a page like you would um, looking at a table or if you're doing research or if you're just looking at information like even a menu, that is just data. We don't need to get emotionally attached to them. I know, easier said than done. Trust me, I've been there. Every bit of data that came back into my mind from memories and feelings and interactions and trigger points. And I'm, I was loaded like super loaded. So coming from a suicidal state, you can imagine that everything was about me. I annoyed people. I was responsible for everyone else. I was not able to cope. I was just very dysfunctional. I was lots of different things. But going through these types of questions and starting to really see that the responses that came back was pure data. It was just information. Just like you ask questions on a computer and you get information back. And it was really when I took the emotional aspect out of it, you know, the entanglement part and go, oh, that's an interesting thought. Gee, that belief really screwed me over. That's so limiting. I choose not to keep that. I want to polish that. I need to disentangle. I need to, as a spider web, literally pull out the fibers that are keeping this particular belief and actions in place because it's really not serving me anymore. It's actually causing me harm, harm in my work, my relationships, relationship with myself, and also just for the way I viewed life. So that is really the power when we ask for information, we get the data, and especially too if the data doesn't seem to match the question because then you're on a snowball effect. It's like, all right, interesting. And I remember um, quite a few years back, I'd be having discussions with people at the beginning when I was really getting clarity and I'd ask questions of other people and I'd end up saying to them, that's not the answer to the question. And what I was observing was people were interpreting what they expected me wanting to hear. I'll say that again. People would give me information they thought I wanted or needed to hear not the information to match the question. So just sit with that for a bit. How many times in your own thinking processes do you get information and you go, that doesn't make sense. You know, there's a mismatch here. I asked this type of question and yet this information is coming back. Or you're having conversations with people and we blindly go through, oh, that must be the truth because someone else said it. As you become more discerning, as you become more aware and also you listen without at least an attachment, if you start to really listen to what people are saying, what you're asking and also what you're thinking and your filters and your perceptions, this in itself is magic because then you can go, okay, um, that's not really what I'm asking about. That's not where my focus is. Can we just clarify that? And we can minimize the misinterpretation or misinformation or judgments and things like this. And that again is really powerful, especially in the work environment and your personal relationships. Because most arguments or most meltdown moments are literally a misinformation. It's a crossover 
of what one person says or asks and the answers and the conversation the other person interprets. So when there is a mismatch, literally, and it's innocent all the time, I'm sure it is innocent. I choose to see it as innocent, not a blatant um, undermining experience. Then you can go, okay, let's get really clear here. Let's, I want to hear your interpretation of what I said, because if I'm saying it incorrectly to what you're hearing and perceiving, then I need to practice my clarity. I need to get very clear as to what I'm thinking and obviously what I'm saying for you to understand what I'm asking or giving information to and vice versa. You know, sometimes it's like, just a minute, just let me sit for a bit. Let me get clear what I'm asking you so that you can understand the information I'm seeking. And for me, that's about self-responsibility. It's owning our side of the information problem and you know, the misinformation, the, the misjudgments, the, the crossing over and causing of issues. And it's not a, a judgment. That is not a judgment on anyone. It's not on the receiver or the giver. It's merely different people's interpretations, perceptions, um, what they think and what they also have been conditioned to give in a state of questions because many people get quite defensive. And this is another observation I made, myself included, that when people would ask a question, it's just like, just a minute, they'd almost freeze or they want to run away. And again, I'd often have to say, just a minute, I'm only asking a question to clarify, to make sure I get it and I understand. And even sometimes when I ref, you know, frame the questions, I'm just curious and I'd like to understand the reason behind this. This is not a personal attack or judgment. I'm just curious. That's still for some people get quite defensive. Now, as we know, if we go right back to the beginning of the first series, people are conditioned at a very, very young age of what questions could mean. Now, questions obviously can be, what are you doing there, Johnny? You know, what do you think you're doing? And it's the tone, it's the person of authority, um, what that represents for them. It is also about the phrasing of it and how the person, the child actually felt when they were questioned. So this is where it becomes quite layered and complex. And I don't want to overcomplicate this, but having a bit more information on the background as to how and why misunderstandings can happen when we ask questions of ourselves and also others, it may help diffuse some misunderstandings and also then potential problems down the line. Now, I'm not an expert in um, discussions, okay? I still struggle with them sometimes. So a lot of these questions that I've written about, in particularly in the journal, are self-reflective because that has been my strength. Learning how to gather information about myself so I can interpret the truth behind it as I see it even if it's false truths, um, and also then choosing what do I want to do with that? What can I do? What is my circle of influence around the data that comes back? Now, there is uh, another activity, your circle of influence, um, so I'll leave a little bit of that for later. But the big thing about it, and it was very much uh, spoken about by Stephen Covey, is you know, what can we impact? What can we manipulate or change or address? 
that is our circle of influence. And at the end of the day, most of it is only in our own head and our actions and our way that we respond and interact with others. So with this information that we're going to go through today, it's again being gentle with yourself. Attempt to darndest to be non-judgmental. Attempt to see it purely as data, as numbers or words on a page. Don't dive into the story and as the story comes up because the ego wants you to understand. The ego needs you to hear its justification because let's just be honest, you know, we've had to justify our existence or our behavior or our choices all of our lives. Some children more than others, some adults even more than others. So the ego's natural protective self-preservation will kick in and that needs to be okay. Just say, okay, ego, okay, character, this, this, and this, whatever character voices come up even. Tell me your story and if you want to write down the story, then you can go, okay, now I've heard it. Now with an adult mind, with a lot more maturity and insight, you can go, okay, I hear it, I see it, I understand it, or I get it. And with that, I'm just going to park that for a little bit. I'm going to look at the raw data and discern what is of value for me to interpret in a different way. And you can start rewriting the stories, which is the next episode's technique. But let's now dive into asking some really good questions. Now, we touched on these yesterday or the last episode. Okay, and just as a recap, these are really for ourselves, although you can also ask other people and see what comes back. It's always interesting. Okay, what are you most happy about in your life right now? Ah, this is like a weekly question. What are you excited about and why? What do you have about gratefulness, enjoying and committed to in your life? And why? What are you doing, being, seeing, hearing, experiencing? And what are the feelings around each of those? Now, the big one, who do I love? Okay, and this is a great reminder because remember the law of focus. You know, what we focus on actually expands. So with this, when we constantly remind ourselves how great things are or that we succeeded, we can go, wow, there's evidence. I'm actually seeing our greatness because, again, we've been programmed to only see our faults. And that's an interesting concept in itself, how much we've been programmed to improve without celebrating the wins. Okay, so other really important questions you can ask on a daily basis. Uh, let me just move down to that page. Okay, what were the best bits from today? Now, if you're having a really challenging, crappy day, what I'm going to suggest is look for the, even the smallest of the smallest of things, you know, the silver lining and the very dark cloud. It could be that someone did smile to you and you just felt the glimmer of difference. It could simply be that you got up. You know, as I was mentioned before, at my darkest, it was just like, just get me through the next five minutes, just next five minutes, next five minutes. And I think there was about three days worth where I was needing to just keep focused on five minute increments. And it was just like, okay, I survived five minutes. Great, fantastic, let's get to the next five. Um, what made this good? So from the best things, the things that you're celebrating, what is making it good and worth remembering? Now, obviously, there could be some really paramount things. It could be that you got a sequence right. It could be that you did actually break out of your shell a little bit or you did something different. You experienced something new. You made a conscious effort and it worked. 
What is something that you that did happen that you would instead not have done? Now this is really a powerful question too, and I'll say it again. What was something that did happen that you normally wouldn't allow to happen? Now this is like an expanding of your boundaries in a healthy way. Um, expanding your fear factor so that it's actually becoming safer and more comfortable. It's like testing your resilience and your tenacity. And these are good traits. Of course, discerning um, that it's a healthy choice, not just pushing the boundaries and doing things that are potentially dangerous. I'm not talking about, you know, risk taking to the nth degree. It's just like, okay, I'm talking to another person. I'm making a new friend. I'm seeing if I could actually apply for that degree or I'm contemplating going on holidays or doing something by myself. You know, whatever your test point is that you feel rather safe not to do, how far could you step into that and just slightly expand that boundary in a more happier, healthier, positive way? Now, another important question could be, what could you have done and said or thought differently. Hmm. This is to help bring a focus onto things that could be improved without a judgment. Okay, remember we're not doing judgment, we're just doing curiosity. So I'm sure that you've already listed off in your own head, oh, I stuffed this up, or that got wrong, or I didn't do that quite right, or this person said this, or you know, I shouldn't have said, I shouldn't have done that, I should have just gone down the other road, I should have, should have, should have. All these types of negatives are likely to have popped into your mind. So now you can say, okay, well, what could I have done? And it's could, not should. What could I have done, said, or thought differently? Now this question helps you to think, okay, what's the change options here? What could be a healthier response? What could have been a more honest response? How could I stand up for myself? How could I actually link um, the relationship differently? How could I have made an improvement or toned down a situation to make it better? So these starts to explore, you know, about yourself, but also what you could do to improve because everyone can improve. Everyone isn't perfect. So in which case there's like little tweaks that we can all make to make a difference. Now, the next one is what character role did you step forward with? Now, the character roles is, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses. It's like your innate, you know, the leader, the compassionate, the nurturer, the teacher, the mother, all the archetypes. And there's an episode in the first series around archetypes. So maybe I can reword what archetype role step forward in the different situations. And again, if that's not your natural strength and you pulled in an archetype or a character that's a little bit weaker, how did that benefit to you? What challenges came up when your weaker character came forward and was practicing? And this, the word is practice, you know, not getting it right. You're not a, necessarily needing to be an expert just when you're expanding your comfort zone. How did that practice of that character make a difference in the situations than what it would have done a month ago and which one would have been helpful more significant role and how so again if you didn't quite nail the improvement or the change or the stretch or the boundary expansion could there have been a different character or different archetype strength 
that could have handled the situation that little bit better. Now, I remember when I um, started waitressing, and, and I love the job, to be honest, I really do enjoy waitressing because it gets me totally out of my comfort zone. But when I first started, you know, my perfectionist attitude really screwed things up. It was just like, I've got to get 100% right. And I was so focused on every little micro step. And of course, that, the pressure I put on myself, because the perfectionist wouldn't accept um, fault. It wouldn't accept differences or anything. And what I was noticing more and more, that I would sabotage myself. And that's another topic in itself. That it would be like, oh, you know, I can't do this, this, and this, and this. And I would beat myself up endlessly. And by the end of the night, I would be beside myself, you know, really frustrated and really hurt. It wasn't until I thought, okay, I need to fix this. Um, and fix this being an operative word. It's just like, okay, how can I improve this? How can I make it easier for myself and particularly more enjoyable because I was doing my head in big time. And what I end up doing was actually pulling out my jester, you know, the happier one, the one that was were able to joke around and banter. And what I noticed, the more I, um, if I was particularly if I made a mistake, you know, take responsibility and say, I'm so, so sorry, I actually stuffed up. I own it and I apologize and I'm fixing it. What I noticed when I did that, the customers were actually very okay. Occasionally they wouldn't be, but generally they really appreciated the honesty instead of just being buffed up, say, oh no, they're plating it now, or, you know, I'm sorry, it wasn't my fault, you know, it's the cook's fault. But taking more responsibility for my stuff ups, um, customers liked it more. They appreciated the truth, the honesty, and authenticity. And then when I started to practice with the jester, you know, and really helping them and the type of restaurant I was in was very much okay with the, the playful banter, Aussie joking sort of character, the real orca. And coming into that character, um, which is actually quite different to what I normally am, I'm usually quite straight laced. And so to get into that character did make a difference and it also helped me to see a different side of myself it helped me to relax it helped me to not be perfectionist and also helped to strengthen my flexibility and also my self-compassion so this is what I'm saying when I were asking you know what could have been done differently how could I think about things differently and certainly what character archetype could I bring to the fore instead or to complement the scenario that you're in now, obviously, um, this may take some practice and time and also a bit of confidence. You know, I'm just going to start changing my character and the way I present myself. And one caveat I'll also add to this is don't put a mask on. Become truer to yourself. Now, in my current job, which is actually a, a higher, um, like a finer dining restaurant, I still banter and to be honest I still think the customers like us I, I get great tips but I do it in a slightly different more elegant way and you know it's it's about learning the environment and the appropriateness and sometimes being ourselves which we put on the mask and we project as a protection sometimes that mask protector needs to come down that little bit and go okay this is who I really am I'm really sincere and I'm really honest and sometimes I can be too honest. But again, this is my character value. This, so this is mine, I'm owning this one. I would rather be truthful and not make a lie so that I don't 
have to BS my way through different things. And sometimes, yes, my honesty can get me into trouble. But I'd rather be honest and softly direct than playing a game because I don't play games and I don't like politics and I don't like lies. So for me, by acting and living my truth the best I can in any given moment, it's like, okay, sometimes I step back, sometimes I step forward, sometimes I'll actually say I can't answer that question honestly. Um, and sometimes I'll say, no, it's just not a nice dish or it's really not in my flavor range or I just honestly cannot do that. And then people respect that more because people are often then given permission and we don't have a lot of that in our world. You know, authentic, I give you permission to have a voice. I give you permission too because I'm choosing to do that. And people go, well, if you can be honest, then I can be honest as well. And it builds relationships. Um, that is my interpretation anyway. And I see it more and more. The more I say to customers, you know, no, I don't think it's a really good choice. And I explain why. They will often say thank you for that. <laughs> you know, it just saved me from experiencing a potentially uh, unpleasant meal. And that's just in my work life. You can imagine that in your personal life when you're being really honest, but with a, with a loving nature, not with a vindictive or an aggressive honesty. It's just like, you know what? I'm actually struggling with this. I don't understand what's going on. Or I'm a little bit confused by your actions around this. And yes, then go to, if you need relationship help, go to relationship coach. Um, go to communication coach. Help yourself by understanding you to, and how to actually be authentic around yourself, which I can help you with, so that you can communicate with others authentically as well. And that is really, really powerful. Speaking our truth because we know it, because we've asked ourselves really helpful, direct, honest, unattached, unemotive questions and learning where we stand, where we sit, where we want to be, who we want to be and how we want to in fact live our life. When we operate from that, then it's like, okay, this is who I am, like it or not. And with, you know, the researchers, you know, the, those people who do study um, personal power and relationships and leadership and all those really important skills are saying pretty much the same thing. Be honest, be true, be yourselves, be authentic, be real with compassionate um, consideration for the audience that you're with. But at the end of the day, it is our life and we need to be true to ourselves. On that note, I'm going to lead into another really powerful technique, tool, activity, strategy, whatever you want to label this to be, using the answers to some of the questions you've already asked. So you might like to go back two episodes where the questions um, were started, the beginning of the question episodes, because this particular activity is like building your own mission statement and starting to define what is really important to you. What do you choose to leave your life from and the character, your values, your belief systems that you really want to create for the future? Now, again, Stephen Covey um, detailed this really eloquently, much better than I can actually do. But in essence, the life mission statement is about defining with clarity 
very distinctly and eloquently as possible. It doesn't have to be perfect. And it can be modified and refined as you go through different stages or different times. Who you choose to be. Now, the operative word here is who. Who, as in what do you represent about yourself? Now, the other way that he has described this is how would you like people to describe you to be on your deathbed or at your memorial service? Now, this activity obviously could be quite a trigger point for some people. So if you're not able to do that, that's okay. But if not, and you're open to really considering what do you want to re be remembered for and how and what and by whom at your end of life, it's really working at the end point and working your way backwards. So let's start with this one. Okay. Just maybe just close your eyes. Let's do this as a closed meditation exercise and you can really start to feel into some of this. Now, this activity is obviously in the book, but it's also in the journal as well. And so with your eyes closed, just take some beautiful deep, deep breaths. And don't do this while you're driving. If you're driving or you're looking after others or if you're doing heavy uh, concentrated work, it's not really appropriate. But if you can take some time out now, just you know, close your eyes. Take some really big, beautiful depth breaths in and out. Another big, beautiful breath in and out. And just ask for your body to relax. Allow the tension to remove itself from your systems. And just allow the peace to settle through you from the top of your head and just down through your body. Just keep breathing nice and slowly and deeply. And ask your judgmental, critical mind to just have a bit of a sleep, literally, figuratively, a sleep. Have a rest. It's not needed to be critical or to judge or to block or restrict. And ask the curious, playful side of you to step forward. A part of you that really would like to be heard and, and step into the power of your true selves. And then you might like to envisage yourself as an older person or when you know that you're coming to the end of your life or maybe as a set age by the age of 60 or 40 or 70 or 80 or even 20. And just ask these questions of your playful curious side the part of you that really wants to be the best person that you were designed to be to live your life purpose. And these are a set of questions that you can recall in any given moment in the future. The answers to what come forward, you'll be able to write down. So the first question is, what do you want people to say about you at that particular time? What are the words, the phrases that you want to be hearing about you? And just allow the words, the phrases to come to the front of mind. And it could be that you're empathetic, loving, family person, a giver. 
that you were loving, kind, considerate, playful maybe, live life to the fullest, a philanthropist. Whatever is important to you that you want to be remembered for at that particular time of life. And what are the particular characteristics, you know, character traits, you know, these are a little bit higher level. What do you want to be remembered for doing? Some of your actions that you want to be remembered that really made an impact on your life, but also others. It could be that you were a leader. You showed them how to do things differently. Or that you were the resilient one, the strong one. And the compassionate one, that you created a safe space for others to be themselves too. Or that you led the way. You're an influencer, a leader, a stalwart. Okay, next question. Who would remember you the most fondly and for what? So out of your current circle, and you may still be open to receiving other people into your circle. So maybe it's a role figure that um, you want to remember most fondly by. It could be a partner who absolutely adores you and you have a fantastic relationship. It could be that you, you have achieved a business goal or a community goal or a charity of some kind, a legacy that will help and support others for many generations forward. It could be that your book or your project or your, um, I, I don't know, there's, there's so many different possibilities. But what do you want to be remembered most fondly for and what could this actually be? Now this is another really interesting one because our interpretation can certainly come in. What things would your family, your children, your friends, acquaintances, work colleagues or even strangers say about you? So what do you want these people, your family, your friends, acquaintances, colleagues, strangers, what do you want to be hearing from them? Now this will take quite some time, but there might be some really key words are coming again with character, values, actions. Okay. What memories would you like others to remember you most by? Now, is it the vacations? Is it the special birthdays or Christmas celebrations or religious celebrations? Is it the time that you went on holiday to somewhere? Is it the time when you were able to donate X amount of money? Or you built something? Or you gifted something? Or the fact that you just were yourself and that was the biggest gift? And how you lived your life is the best memory that you could ever possibly ask for. How many memories were you able to create with others? You know, for some people, going away with family is fantastic, sometimes not. Other people is that you can go away with couples, other families and whole families, literally different families coming together regularly, like the annual um, get-togethers down by the lake or the beach. Well, the fact that you're able to have these amazing summits or that you could present at conferences and these types of memories and the impact it has really does provide you with so much satisfaction and a sense of worthy. 
Are there any charitable funds or centres you'd like to be working with or giving to or be associated with, be an ambassador for? And what other activities or actions do you want to be remembered for? Now there's bound to be a whole range of other questions that are relevant to creating your whole entire life as a blueprint because that's effectively what you're doing. And as I said, you may not get it right now and that's perfectly okay. It is meant to be a work in progress as you learn and grow, as you become confident in different areas, as your boundaries expand, as you become more adaptable maybe, or you learn different skills, you meet different people, you get um, associated with different activities or opportunities too. This blueprint will most likely be refined and that's what it's designed to be. But it's a foundation or the structure that we're working towards on this point. So when you're ready, just take another big, beautiful cup of deep breaths and just allow your senses to come back into your body. And take another deep breath in and just allow your senses to wake up and come back into the room. And then what I suggest that you do is you just jot down, even just on a piece of paper or napkin, just some of the ideas that came forward and really breathe into that peacefulness and the insight, the wisdom, the inspiration that you got when you're asking these things, who and what do I want to be remembered for from my life experiences? And when we can get to that point, Yes, there's always still challenges, there's still things that will come your way and yes, silver objects will continue to shine up and that's perfectly okay too because then we can go, okay, yes or no, this is actually in truth with my life purpose that I've chosen from this point. Oh, that's a great opportunity, yeah, I'd love to do that, I'd love to expand and learn and become more of that. But you still have the framework or the foundation to be able to make those choices and switchings from and that's the purpose of this okay everyone make sure that you're back in the room fully and just start to jot down a few ideas a few answers that came to mind and again if you want to reach out and really discuss this you know this is one of the, the tools or services I provide is actually helping you go right into and the benefit of this as well is that when we start to see what we want, then the negatives, the passions and the fears and the limiting beliefs will come up too. And as you work through those, as you tweak them and you polish the ones that are actually protective in a healthy way and you dump those who are limiting in a negative way, then it opens up that framework, that foundation of your ideal life to come through easier and that's the whole purpose of this literally this is the purpose of what I'm doing is to help you to see your truth to remove and to heal and transform those blocks those fears those limitations so that you can literally create your life on your terms that is the whole purpose and mission of my life at this point so if that is of interest and you would like some extra information and support then just reach out simply just give me an email chat to me on Facebook or even in circles and let's start to support you to get clear, heal, transform and start to create your life on your terms. 
All right, everyone, I will see you in the next episode. And we're going to do a few more activities around questions, but also getting a new scripts writing in your psyche. Alrighty, as usual, share, um, give comment, give feedback, and I will see you in the next one. In the meantime, keep being true to you and shine brightly in this world. Okay, ciao. If any of today's recording touched you and you'd like more information or you'd like to reach out and work with Leah, you can do this at www.stepstochange.com.au. That's all letters. Or if you've been triggered, then please do reach out to your local mental health support line because you certainly are worth looking after you and staying safe.